0: Hi, this is Rick Anthony, and welcome to the Someone You Should Know podcast. The podcast that spotlights the stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So sit back, relax, have a cold one, and get ready to meet someone you should know. Hi, I'm Rick Anthony, and on this episode of Someone You Should Know, we're going to back up to July of 2007. My guest is Tracy Lawrence, country singer, who at the time had just had a number one song with Find Out Who Your Friends Are with uh, Tim McGraw and Kitty Chesney. Now, I've learned something very, very important about Tracy Lawrence. You never, ever cross this guy because he is a legendary prankster. We're going to find out just how much so coming up right now on Someone You Should Know as I reintroduce you to Tracy Lawrence. Hi, I'm Ricky Anthony, and I'm glad to be back with a guy that I haven't talked to in a couple of years, but I am so uh, so glad to have him on the show because every time we talk, I, we can always count on great music, and we always can count on some great stories. This guy is a wonderful storyteller. Now, it's uh, it's been 11 years since his last number one, and we were thrilled to see that uh, his his latest song made it all the way to the top of the charts. We're speaking with Tracy Lawrence. How are you, my friend? I'm great, my friends. Good talking to you again. Real good. Uh, Tracy, the the latest single that you had out there was uh, Find Out Who Your Friends Are. A fabulous song. Got tons of requests on the radio. And uh, you got some help from your friends, as a matter of fact, to make this uh, number one song. You you had Tim and you had Kenny. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: You know, Tim and Kenny and I have been friends for a long time. We actually met years ago when we all first got to Nashville in the early 90s, and and used to run around and go to the lake and do things together and hit some of the clubs and and, uh, you know, we talked about doing something on an album together for a long time, and when I got my hands on this song, we would tracked it in the studio, and I'd done my vocal, and it just seemed like it would really fit us well, and I, I sent both of them a copy of it, talked to them on the phone the next day, and they absolutely loved it, and we found a time, got in the studio, and made it work, and it, I really think this record had a lot of magic to it, because there was so much truth to it that, you know, I, we've all seen some highs and lows in the business, and... And uh, it was just a, a record that really seemed to fit us and our friendship really well.
0: I got to agree with you there. And in an era of time now that we have Pro Tools and some tracks recorded hours, days, weeks, even months apart, uh, you, get, you guys actually got into a session together, right?
1: Absolutely. We were all in the room at the same time. My vocal was already done, but I was there because I was a co-producer on my album. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we spent about four hours in the studio together and sat around and and talked those stories and and, uh, just reconnected for a little while. It was really a lot of fun. I don't think Tim wanted to leave. uh, I had to go get on the bus. I was heading back out for a show that night, but Tim wanted to stay up all night long. I was like, I got to go.
0: (laughs) Well, he's got a house full of women, too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So do I. (laughs) <laughs> I swear, you know, we, we thought that, you know, uh, like Tim and Trace and Alan Jackson, you should just have a tour called the uh, the X-Chromosome Tour. You know, <laughs> nothing but well, we need
1: all that we can get. I'll tell you what. <laughs> the only one buddy of mine that I know that has boys is Mark Chestnut. I know. he's got three of them. <laughs>
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing, the new CD is called For the Love. It came out in January, doing really, really well. And the next single I hear is called uh, Till I Was Daddy Too, correct? Till I Was a Daddy
1: Too, and it's actually a song I wrote with my friends Paul Nelson and Larry Boone. We've had so many hits together over the years. And uh, it really looks like this may be another huge record. We're getting a lot of great response from it. You know, the, the strange thing about this song is it talks about a, a father with, and his relationship with his son. And uh, obviously I have two girls. I don't have a son. But when we were writing the song, we kept trying to skew it in the other direction, and it just wouldn't go that way. Sometimes a song is going to take you where it wants to go, and uh, it turned out the way that it is. So I hope it's still going to reach people.
0: Very good. We look forward to playing that. And uh, I got to talk to you about a, a strange thing. Back in 2004, you released one of the most beautiful songs of your career uh, called "Paint Me a Birmingham." And one thing I love about that particular song, I had a struggle with when it first came out. I was kind of joking about the fact that uh, I, I was doing a chef show at the same time, and I and we we talked about there's a song called "Paint Me a Birmingham," and I said, "Well, paint me a Birmingham," and every time I wound up. Playing that song, I wound up thinking those lyrics. Instead of saying, paint me a Birmingham, it came out, sometimes, paint me a burning ham. <laughs> so some of my listeners actually sent me photos of burning hams.
1: <laughs> so, so, That's really good. I think uh, Cletus T. Judd actually did a parody on uh, Bake Me a Country Ham. Bake me a Country Ham. <laughs> <laughs> you have some that of the...
0: Was, I, that I,
1: was such a huge record for me, though, you know, I... I There was so much talk about what does Birmingham mean? What is this song about? And, you know, it really, uh, it was, even though it didn't go number one and we ended up in the top five with it, it was one of the biggest impact records I've had in my entire career and still is a a song that brings the house down every single night. You know, everyone knows the words to it. It was just such a magical piece of work.
0: Very good. This guy has got some incredible road stories. We talked last, you were with Joe Diffie and uh, Mark Chestnut on tour a couple years Uh back. And you were telling me a funny story. I think it was Chesnut was uh, singing one of his last songs, and you came out. You had been in your trailer. You'd come out, and you had on just a robe and some cowboy boots. Uh, I and did, Yeah. And you yes, flashed them yes. on the very last thing. That was, what, that was like 2002, 2003 or so. What, what's your best road story to date since then?
1: My best road story of all time. I, I, we used to get into pra- practical jokes and pranks and stuff a lot, and Tracy Byrd and I have been dear friends for many, many years and uh, we were doing a show down in Florida. I don't remember exactly where it was, but um, we, we planned a full assault. We'd been, out, we'd been touring the bird for a while, so I had his entire set list structured out. The first wave we hit him with, I had 1,000 ping-pong balls in a bag up in the rafters, and there was one spot in the song where he stopped for a pause, and uh, I dropped a 1,000 ping-pong balls on his head. Then we came back, and we had like 100 cans of silly string, and we bombarded the stage with silly string. By the time he got off the stage, we had got the code to his bus, and I took a thousand crickets and strode them from the back to the front of his entire bus. It was <laughs> That was one of the best I've ever done.
0: Now, I talked to uh, Taylor Swift recently, and, and uh, she's with Jack Ingram and Kelly Pickler and Brad Paisley's tour, and apparently they're they're playing practical jokes on one another. Um. So it's it. You it never. You got to watch out who you're on tour with. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, see, the problem is
1: sometimes you just have to call a truce because because it gets out of hand. I remember one year uh, I was out in at the ACMs before the Academy of Country Music Awards left Los Angeles and moved to Vegas, and Kenny and I were messing around with each other, and I had gone to do after midnight a syndicated show out there the night before the awards. Well, I just happened to give uh, the hotel name and Kenny's room number out over the air. Across Nation. The phone system at the hotel was so overloaded, it blew their phone system up. It was great. It was really, they were not happy with us. I mean, it rang and rang and rang and rang. Okay, so a couple of weeks later, I'm at home, and Kenny's doing after midnight. He gives my home phone number out on the air. At my house at the time, my entire phone system, my alarm my electric gates at the front of the house, everything was tied into this phone system. It literally blew my house up. It froze my gates. The The, the alarm started talking back through the speakers in the house. It, it it couldn't handle the volume of calls that were coming in. I spent like three hours on the phone with the phone company getting them to switch my fax line number and my home phone so I could turn my alarm system off. It was unbelievable.
0: guess you find out who your friends are,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah, we called a truce after that. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about the tour you're on right now. You're in Alabama, then you got some dates in Florida, then you start coming back to the Midwest. I understand you're going to be playing here in St. Louis. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's right after a NASCAR event or a Bush Series event.
1: Yeah, we, we will be coming back to the area, and, and uh, hopefully we're going to get a chance to spend a little bit of time there. You know, my tour schedule is really heavy this year, so we've been all over the place. I
0: Actually, are we in Madison? That where we're yeah, in Madison, Illinois. It's, just right, it's right across the river from uh, from St. Louis.
1: I love St. Louis. I think St. Louis is one of the most beautiful cities in the country, and I've got a great baseball team. Maybe I'll get a chance to catch a baseball game. I hope they're going to be in town.
0: Uh, we'll have to find out on that schedule there. But uh, you're on tour now, and uh, you are having a good time with this particular tour. What's what's kind of like uh, been kind of like the highlight of, the, of this particular tour, and the fact that you had a number one song. That's that's got to really and truly uh, make you pretty damn proud again.
1: Absolutely, and you know, with a, the impact of a hit, you can really tell the intensity of the crowd changes. People are more excited. I mean, you have something current that's really hip that's been on the air. You know, you can just kind of feel the momentum come. It, it's it, it kind of ebbs and flows, and and I've experienced it so many times in the past that it's just it, it's great to feel the excitement not only from the fans but from within the organization. Everybody gets really pumped up to know that you're. Your, your career's moving forward, and, and we've got plenty of dates. We're working a lot. It really makes the whole machine run a lot smoother.
0: Very good. I'm going to back up a couple of years. Another number one song you had, Time Marches On, uh, uh-huh. But 10, 11 years ago. Yep. Yeah. That is an incredible song. Now, it still stands the test of time, even today. We were playing that just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, and I'm going, God, Lord, it's been so long since I heard that song, and I actually sat and listened to the lyrics. It's just amazing. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about I know it's I know it's 10 years old, but can you tell us a little bit about that song?
1: You know, that song came from Bobby Braddock, who is one of the legendary songwriters of Nashville. I mean, he wrote, he stopped loving her today for George Jones many years ago, uh, wrote another one of my big hits called Texas Tornado. Bobby is an absolute genius. I I personally think this is one of the greatest country songs ever written. I I think it's a a wonderful piece of work. It talks about so much life in three and a half minutes. Uh, It just has such a powerful message to it. I, I think it, all over again in another 10 years. I just think it's one of those things that will never go
0: away. I had a listener say that is the uh, three-minute version of Forrest Gump. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I've never
0: quite heard it put that way. Real <laughs> well, good. We're speaking with Tracy Lawrence. The new CD out, I want everyone to get at least two or three copies of it. It's called uh, uh, For the Love. New single coming out called Till I Was a Daddy Too. And uh, he's on tour everywhere. Make sure you buy yourself, uh, buy your entire family tickets to, to go see this guy. He puts on a great show. He's always fun to talk to. And we thank God to have him on the show. Thanks again, brother.
1: Thanks, Rick. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Look forward to seeing you soon. All right,
0: partner. Be good. Take care. And Take we'll care. be back right after this. Hey, Tracy, thanks a lot, man. Have a great time. Go eat some alligator. <laughs> All right, partner. Take care. Okay, yeah, Good luck on your golf game. <laughs> thanks, man. Bye. Hi, this is Rick Anthony thanking you again for listening to this episode of Someone You Should Know. Now, if you're an aspiring musician or an established musician that's looking for a little exposure, I invite you to drop us a line at someoneyoushouldknowpodcast at gmail.com. That's someoneyoushouldknowpodcast at gmail.com. Also, I invite you to tell a friend about the Someone You Should Know podcast. I thank you for tuning in this time, and I invite you to check us out next time on the Someone You Should Know podcast, because you never know who's going to show up. Until next time, remember, God loves you, and so do I.